God, I pray that you'll use this message to your glory. God, I pray that you'll get all the honor and, Lord, all the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, say amen. I, I need you, if you will, take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts, or excuse me, Romans chapter number one. Uh, Romans chapter number one. And, uh, and I want you to, I need you to, to really stay with me, all right? Uh, young people, if you will, uh, uh, I, need, I need as little moving around as possible. Uh, I need you to stay with me. Uh, I, this is not one of them uh, wham, bam, here we go uh, type, type outlines, type messages. And uh, I need you to what? Stay with me, all right? I need you to stay with me. Now, uh, we're going to talk about a subject today that uh, I, 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 I thought about most of the week. God has been putting a direction on my heart and on my mind. And, and uh, as I was studying, looking, I was in a totally different uh, book of the Bible, a totally different chapter and going through this. But God took me a whole lot deeper than I intended to go in this matter. And, uh, but I believe I have what God wants us to hear this morning. It's not a, it's not a joking time. It's not a playing time. Uh, uh, there's a time and place for everything. Isn't that what Ecclesiastes said? Uh, there's a time for every purpose under the heaven. And the purpose of this hour this morning is a serious tone. And I want you to stay with me, okay? Uh, I want you to uh, uh, follow me. Uh, one of the keys of understanding the message today, the key to understanding the message today is we are tracing it back. Say that with me. We are. Tracing it back. Say it again. So if I ask you periodically during the message this morning, uh, what is the key to understanding this message? We are. Say it again. We are. All right, if you'll stand with me. Uh, Romans chapter number one, stand to your feet in reverence of God's holy word. Uh, we are in Romans chapter number one in verse number 21. When you get to that place, I need you to say amen. Amen. The Bible says, now we are, we are in reference in this particular chapter uh, to the downfall of man, the downfall of man, where man began and where man ended up. Uh, scientists and evolutionists will tell you uh, that man has gone from something small to something great. Uh, man, uh, scientists and evolutionists will tell you that man went from something that was had no intelligence whatsoever and just kept evolving and evolving and evolving to a great being and the great creature that it is today. Well, God said the exact opposite happened. Man started out in an intelligent way. Man started out in a great way. Man started out in a great environment in the Garden of Eden in a great way and has digressed and devolved to what we are today. Man. What are you saying, preacher? It's not going to get any better. It's not going to get any better. Mankind is not going to get any better. Uh, we're not going to see a great uh, 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 worldwide revival. The Bible says there's going to be a great falling away before he comes. Well, in this particular chapter, he goes into describing this. You say, why are you using this? Well, I began uh, studying for this over there with the golden calf. And I, you say, what are you doing? I told y'all my heart has been very, very burdened for our young people. And I begin to look, okay, what, are, what do they have a problem with? We need to find the problem. Let's find the problem, then we can find the solution. That sounds easy enough, doesn't it? Well, as I begin to see the problem, say, they got a problem, there's immorality. 
Uh, there's immorality. We can't keep them out of the back seat of Chevys. What? Uh, well, what? Uh, and then I kept tracing it back and tracing it back. It kept in my mind uh, uh, the golden calf. The Bible said they, they, they said, listen, we don't know where this Moses guy is. I'm probably going to preach out this in coming up, but uh, uh, we don't know where this Moses guy is. Make us a calf. Make us a God that we can follow. That started with idolatry. Then, then the Bible said they rose up to play. They became, listen, immodest and immoral. Moses came down and seen them naked. So we go from uh, idolatry to immodesty to uh, immorality. Now all of those things, I said, here's the deal. But God said, mm -mm. all of those are symptoms. All of those are stages. And God took me from there late last night to Romans chapter number one. Now let's read Romans chapter number one. You say, but that's the downfall of mankind. I'm afraid it's spread to the church. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, are you with me? The Bible says, because, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. Isn't that what scientists are saying today? They became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to a corruptible man. Isn't it amazing the first idol you see there is man? It's not a statue of a cow. It's not a statue of a, a, a bird. It's man. Man has become a great uh, uh, idolatry icon. And the birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up. Well, that's a sad statement, isn't it? God gave them up to uncleanness through their lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who was blessed forever, amen. For this cause, say the next three, or excuse me, four words. God gave them up unto vile affections for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust, one toward, talking about homosexuality. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all righteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, Whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. Read it with me. Say it again. Disobedient to parents. Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Listen, it's amazing to me that a movie can win every award there is to be given and not be a box office sellout. Yeah, amen. Amen. How about Brokeback Mountain? What won all the awards because Hollywood is trying to push that agenda on the American society. Amen. And the American didn't want to have anything to do with it. Some did, but the great majority didn't. But you see the devil working through Hollywood and celebrating those who are living an ungodly lifestyle. Dear Heavenly Father, 
Do what you got to do today. God, help me and give me power, boldness, and strength and wisdom to preach your word. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. I, I want to preach a few moments on the subject, and you got to stay with me, y'all. I'm warning you ahead of time. I need you to stay with me. Don't doze off. Keep you, if you got to pop yourself in the face and keep yourself awake, do what you got to do, but I need you to stay with me. The key, I said, is tracing it back. Say that with me. The key to understanding this is tracing it back. Uh, there was a TV show on a while back, I think it's canceled now, uh, but it was called Medical Investigation. Medical Investigation. Me being as nosy as I am, them, them kind of uh, shows, they intrigue me. I like, I like uh, uh, as they, they investigate the source of a, of a disease or an outbreak of, of some medical problem, and, and they would fly into a place, and, and, and listen, there's people getting infected and sick all around them, and, and they go and try to find, and one of the key words was commonality. Uh, what did they have in common? What did they? What were they touching all together, or, or, or what did they get around, or what, what comes together? Where is it? What were they trying to do? They were trying to go from the symptoms and trace it all the way back to the source. Now, I was trying to treat the symptom. I was trying to investigate the symptom. I was trying to say, okay, our young people are having issues with such and such problem. But God was telling me, hey, that is just a symptom. Now, here's what we're going to do in this message this morning. Uh, as you see, uh, y'all help me. I, I don't see no pictures up there. I need to see some pictures or something. Amen. Uh, uh, I'm preaching this morning on outbreak epidemic. Say that with me. Outbreak epidemic. Say it again. Outbreak epidemic. You say, but preacher, what about the church? The Bible says in Revelation. The Bible says in Revelation, he said, I, I, in, in, in Revelation chapter number three, he said that we are living in the Laodicean church age, an age of lukewarmness, an age when uh, the Bible said that, that we think everything's fine and we think everything's going okay. He said, but you're really wretched and miserable, naked and blind. He said, you don't understand your condition. You don't understand how far away you've gotten. There is an epidemic in the world today, in churches today. We are living in a Laodicea in church age. You say, how do you know there's an epidemic? Because the majority of churches are either dead or dying. Dead or dying. I, I read just a few things about the, uh, the, the bubonic plague that was in uh, Europe. Uh, several plagues through history. There was a Justinian plague, the, the Black Death, uh, uh, the pandemic of 1663, Austria, 1711, and the Balkans. And uh, the Black Death of the Middle Ages is the most famous of the plagues. Uh, 30%, 30% of the population of Europe was killed in two years. This terrorized the population. Abandoned farms led to food shortages. Dead officials uh, caused governments to be in chaotic order. Uh, the people had a fatalistic view of life, and they began to question their faith. Listen, the plague brought a horrible and rapid death. Uh, and it, uh, it goes into describing that. I'm not going to go into that. But the transmission of the plague, the transmission of the plague, under the unsanitary conditions, there's a key. Under the... Unsanitary conditions of the Middle Ages, 
it is not surprising that the disease was rampant. The plague virus became uh, uh, endemic in the rat population of Europe. Fleas that bit the rat and then they bit the man would transmit the bacterium from the rats. The rats acted as a reservoir maintaining the bacterial population and the flea was the vector that transmitted the virus to man. Now, you say, preacher, what are you getting at with all this stuff? We're talking about the church. Ain't you talking about talk church things and spiritual things? Uh, the unsanitary conditions. What are you saying? If we don't clean up our act, we're going to have an epidemic in the house of God. If we have unsanitary conditions, if we have unholy conditions, if we have unrighteous conditions, if we don't clean up the church, we're going to be in trouble. We are living in the Laodicean church age. I know that's a worldwide situation, a worldwide problem where churches are not seeing anybody saved, and the sad part is they don't see anything wrong with that. Oh, but we have money in the bank, preacher. Oh, we have, we have a great staff, preacher. Oh, we can sing great songs, and we even sing the hymns, but there's nobody getting saved. There's no life in the church. That's an epidemic. We're seeing that in the young people. So what do we do? What do you do in an epidemic? Let's fly in. Let's be the investigators. Let's be the investigators. The end of this message is so simple. It's so simple, but you've got to have the whole thing to see the, listen, uh, the, the, the panoramic view so you can see how far we have gone so you can see the importance of what we're going to get at the end. What's the key? What's the key? Come on, y'all. So how do we do that? We'll go to the last verse we read and go backwards, go backwards. They want to go the last place, that person that died, or that person that was sick. They want to go to the last place they were at and trace their steps all the way back to find out where they got infected, where they got the sickness, where they contracted uh, this disease that they have. The disease is lukewarmness. The disease is, uh, listen, unrighteousness and ungodliness. So let's trace it back. Number one, if you're taking notes, what's the key? Tracing it back. Number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to see this. I want you to see the symptoms of the outbreak. The symptoms of the outbreak. Now, we're going backwards, y'all, so we're, it's going to be a little different than what we normally do. Normally, when we're going through an outline, we, we take it from the front to the back, but now we're going from the back to the front. What are the symptoms of this outbreak? What are the symptoms of this outbreak? The Bible says in verse 29, verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, Fornication. I've never seen the day when so many preachers are falling to adultery and sexual sin. I'm talking about preachers that I stood and watched when I was a little, little bitty fella and just idolized them to a point, not necessarily idolized them, but looked up to them and said, man, I want to preach like that. I want to be able to be like that and be a man of God and stand in the gap and do right and fall into sexual sin. There's so much of it in the church today. It's amazing. We don't have to go outside the church. We are seeing it in our young people. We are seeing it in our older folk. We are seeing it in Christians who ought to know better. Sexual sin is so rampant in the church. It says not only that, but wickedness, covetousness. Listen, wanting what everybody else has, maliciousness, just, just, being, just being mean, full of envy, envious of what this person has or envious of what that person owns or envious of what that person is wearing or doing. Murder. You say, oh, but I hadn't heard no murder in the church. Don't you know the Bible says that we say if a man murders somebody, but Jesus said if we are angry with a brother without just cause, it's the same thing. 
Tell me we're not seeing a lot of that in the church today. Amen. Oh, we're not seeing that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why there's church splits and splinters all over the creation. Hello? Stay with me. Stay with me. Backbiters. Whispers. Hello? Debate. A debate means just you just want to argue. Just want to argue. Help us. Haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things. What's that next one say? Any of that going on? Without understanding. Covenant breakers, breaking promises. You better have it signed on the dotted line today. Because a man's word is just not good enough anymore. Without natural affection. What's that mean? One of the greatest natural instincts of, of humanity, even, listen, even in the animal kingdom, is a mother's protection of her babies. And now we're seeing them mothers putting babies, strapping them down in the car and pushing them in a lake. Yeah. We see mothers, listen, locking their children up in closets and starving them to death. We see parents putting their children in microwaves and destroying them. I'm not making this up. There's no natural affection. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. The Bible says not only is that happening, but who know in the judgment of God, they that which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Hollywood is so supportive of the, the wicked, wicked agenda. Richard, what is that? That's just a symptom, y'all. What is the symptom? There is a rampant regression. Say that with me. A rampant regression. Say that with me. That means we are quickly getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Do you know that, that, that Dr. James Dobson is trying to start a campaign in the state of California for all Christians to get their kids out of the public school system? either put them in a Christian school or homeschool them because it is a state law in the state of California now that the teachers must teach that homosexuality is just an alternate lifestyle, that there is nothing wrong with it. Not only that, but it is law that they must teach that it is not an immoral situation. It's one thing going to tell them to say it's just an alternative lifestyle. But then when you force me to tell my children something I diabolically oppose that I know the Bible teaches is an abomination, don't teach religion to my children. They want to stand up and stand up and stand forth and say separation of church and state, but they want to come and push their religion down your kids' throat. Whether you like it or not, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. You say, but preacher, that's not the biggest issue. The biggest issue is we're seeing it creep into the house of God. We are seeing the church get used to sin. Things are getting worse in the church, and we don't even see it happening. Rampant regression. Listen, things kids think is no big deal today. 20 years ago, you would have thought it was the unpardonable sin. getting worse and worse. We pipe it into our houses and we see it every day because Hollywood makes everything normal, makes shacking up normal. The, 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 the phrase now is hooking up. 
have no problems, teens hooking up with a total stranger, jumping in the bed with a total stranger. But when it comes time to have an intimate, close relationship, they have no idea how to have a real relationship. What is the symptom, preacher? We see a rampant regression. Things are getting worse and worse and worse. Things are getting worse and worse and worse. I'm talking about, listen, we are in a Laodicean church age and we are in a rampant regression. Not only that, not only that, that's, that's one symptom and we see them listed there. But the Bible says three times God gave them up. God gave them up. God gave them up. God gave them over. Here's the deal. Spence, help me with this. I need you to play along with me on this deal, okay? Come stand right here. This is what this means. Uh, we sing the song, we sing the song, God never gave up on me. And he didn't with a call of salvation. Aren't you glad? But in this matter, in this situation, that word means restraint. It means restraint. God is here holding them back, even though uh, act like you're running toward that wall. You're trying to go, and God's holding them back. God's holding them back. Say, no, you're going the wrong way because God knows what that sin's going to cause. And it comes to a point, God says, okay. He knows they're going to hit that wall at 100 miles an hour and shatter their families and destroy their lives. But it comes time, God has to say, okay. What are the symptoms of this epidemic outbreak? What are the symptoms of what's happening in the church today? It is rampant regression, but then it is a removed restraint. We see things happening in the church today. We never dreamed. We never dreamed it would ever happen. Y'all said, okay. That's what you choose. He takes his hand off. We get angry when the preacher sheds light on something. When there would have been a day we'd have stood and amended it. would have gave them a standing ovation. But today, Brother Mickle, they want to throw stones. You're being judgmental. No, I'm just preaching the book. But you know what? We all think that all these things we listed there, disobedient to parents, uh, uh, the fornication and the, and the sexual pr- promiscuity and, and listen, all these things that we, we're, we're, we're just struggling with or trying our best to keep our teens out of, those are just but we're treating them like they're the disease but that's not the disease we got to go back let's trace it back number two what was number one say it with me see the symptoms reveal that there's a problem unwed mothers the sexual promiscuity that's not the problem that's just a symptom that there is a problem Hello? Listen, teenagers getting drunk and and partying down and all that, we think that's the problem. That's just a symptom of the problem. And by the way, this stuff don't just happen overnight. There's always, they say, what stage is it in? Do you know that's in this chapter too? The stages of this epidemic? We've seen the symptoms. Brother Mickle, let's trace it back. Let's go back. We see the symptoms. We see what's happening. We see what's going on. So let's go back and see the stages of how it's progressed, all right? The Bible says, now, now, what are we doing? We're tracing it. So we're going, say with me, we're going, we're going backwards. So let's look at verse, uh, chapter 26, or excuse me, verse 26. Are you there? Say amen. 
For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use and that which is against nature. And likewise men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. Now, if we're going back, we're going back. Now see, usually we would go forward and see the progression, but we're going back. Where are we at? A. We see the stages of this outbreak. The last stage is what? Come on, y'all. The last stage is? I never thought, I see the day, when a man would stand and claim to be a preacher, and be an open, professing, practicing homosexual. I never thought I'd see the day when there'd be other so-called Christians to stand and support him in his effort. Gross immorality. One preacher leaving his wife for this woman, just going on taking another church in this area, this saying, God help us. Bible says a man of God is to be above reproach. I usually don't go this route. Brother Mickle, but we've let it go so far, our kids don't think it's a big deal anymore. We don't act like it's a big deal. We blow it on it. Let me say this. Let me say this. I was accused. I was accused, and if I, if I had been guilty of this, I beg your forgiveness. But I was accused of the fact that I would preach that God forgives and God restores. I said, yes, sir, that's all true. But there are still consequences to sin. And I was accused of not portraying that and showing that just until recently. If I am guilty of that, I apologize. I, I regret it deeply. But God does forgive. He can forgive anything. He can take our sin and wash it white as snow. But I'm here to tell you, there is still consequences to sin. And we cannot take sin lightly, especially in the house of God. One preacher said adultery is the blackest sin in the Bible. He said, oh, but there's no, there's no levels of sin with God. Then why would God stone uh, some for one sin and not for the other? But we just brush it under the rug. Leaders fall to that and we don't do anything. Do you know what the Bible says? And we're not practicing it. The Bible says, them that sin, rebuke before all, that all may fear. And I found myself being guilty of just hoping it would go away. And I begged God's forgiveness. And in doing that, we've made it to the children that it's no big deal. If the preacher don't think it's a big deal, if the members don't think it's a big deal, then it must not be a big deal. God thinks it's a big deal. In the way we have treated sin, Brother Donnie, the way we have treated sin as the adult generation, as the leaders of the church, as those who should know better, the way we have treated sin, now we're reaping it in our children. Gross immorality. Gross immorality. Did you say, where did it, what, was the, what was the second stage? That was the last stage. What was the second stage? The Bible says in uncleanness. God gave them up to uncleanness. That's great immodesty. 
I said, Lord, if we, the, the problem is keeping out the back seat of a Chevy. If the problem is keeping out of somebody's bed and sleeping around like, like there's no tomorrow. All they're doing is what they see on TV. To them, that's normal, but here's the problem. What contributes to immorality? It would be immodesty. Immodesty. I, I promise you this. I got way more material than you can stand to hear today on what the Bible says about dressing right, dressing modestly, shamefacedness, not attracting attention to areas of the body. The most popular, now see, stay with me. Stay with me. The most popular fashion today with young women is to show the midriff. Listen, I will go, and they, was, they were coming to the meeting, they would come up to me, and I, they already knew it was wrong because when they come up and wanted me to sign their Bible, the first thing they were doing was trying to pull the shirt down. And what are they doing? They're getting tattoos right here. So the midriff will be showing. So what is that attracting? What part of their body is it attracting to? A young lady I seen the other day at the grocery store had a tattoo right here. And with it showing so they could see that, that is, it's not about fashion, it's about attraction. Yeah, amen. You say, preacher, that's awful. Kids should not do that. Hey, let's wake up and smell the coffee. Who's buying it for them? Amen. You ain't gonna get, you go. I don't care anymore. I don't care. When you see young, young ladies getting out of a car to go to church, to go to church and listen, the, the, the hymn is so far above the knees. Way too high on the bottom, way too low on the top. Ain't got enough material in the dress fits to cover a good blue jay. And then want to stand up and have the audacity to get mad if somebody looks at them. I got a verse. Proverbs says a woman was in the street with the attire of a harlot. What is a harlot? One that sells her body. What do you do? What's a good salesman do? He advertises. I'm not trying. I promise you this. I promise you this. I'm not trying on purpose to make you mad. I'm trying to take the veil off of your eyes and see how the devil's duped us to the point that we have no longer found godliness and holiness. Good salesman advertisers. You advertise what's for sale. Listen, don't put it up for sale. Don't put it up for sale. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. They'll throw out everything and flaunt everything that God gave them that nobody else should see but their husbands. And, and listen, and they get married and, and they tell their husband, man, that's all you care about. Well, that's all they see. You know what the Bible says is beautiful to God? A meek and a quiet inner spirit. What do you want him to be when you get married? You use that to attract him. If you want him to be a sex-crazed maniac, then that, you just do all that to get him. Yeah. And then you have to do all that to keep him. Yeah. That's right. I'm preaching this morning. And modesty. It's bad enough at Walmart. But the house of God, come on. I mean, 
Come out from among them, saith the Lord. What does that mean anymore? I want you to be what I am. What are you? You look the same as me. I mean, that's what this world is thinking. That's what the lost world is thinking. You're no different than I am. Your music sounds the same as mine. Your dress looks the same as mine. You act the same way I do. I don't need what you have because you ain't no different than me. I bet y'all got a good idea what this meeting's going to be about this afternoon, don't you? You know, I kind of feel like this. For some reason, I don't know why. I don't know why. Brother Ronnie, I feel like the verse when Jesus said, this is what's required to follow me. And they turned around and went away. And Jesus said, will ye go also? He was not afraid to lose the multitude to do right. Preacher, but you go, what are you going to do if they all leave? I'm going to echo all through this building. <laughs> right's right. There's stages. There's stages. Immorality. Rampant sexual perversion. But then it started with a modesty. Immodesty. Man, it's getting worse and worse. Man, you can't even. God help us. I used to think, well, people should not go to the beach. But they're having a hard time keeping their mind straight in the house of God. But you know what? That's not the problem. What is that? See, that's where we're missing it. I'm trying to fix that. Let's get some clothes on. Man, what's wrong with you? Let's, let's, let's. It's not the problem. The first stage. What was the, what was the last stage? Say it with me. Second stage. See, we're, we're tracing it. So we, we find, how many of y'all can see that in the world today? Gross immorality. And then we find greater modesty. I mean, we need to cover up, y'all. We just need to cover up. I mean, there's things that's great and sex is wonderful. I'm telling you, I love it. And I, in the right way, it's unbelievable. Safe sex. Safest way is God's way. Yes, sir. In the marriage bed with just one of them. Yeah, woman and man. Let me clarify that. See? We're living a day where you got to do that anymore. Can you see where we've gone? I told Tammy the other day, I want him to bring a Christian boy home. I just want him to bring, bring the boy home. Amen. You say, preacher, oh, that's funny. That's not funny. Because, see, that's where we have gotten. And we don't realize how far we have slid. Till we start tracing it back. What was, what, was, what was the last stage? Help me now. Gross immorality. But it started with. But where did it? Where did that start? How did that? Be, how did that get there? How did, how did that become a, such a prevalent problem? Well, then we go back to godless idolatry. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. This happened first. The Bible says in, in Romans one, verse number twenty three. It says, and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible. 
corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. You know where immodesty come from? Most of it, the majority of it come from what the kids were seeing, what they were wearing on the TV. In the movies, the sports start. I found out something. Did you know? I found out. Help me now. Round mountain rebound. What's his name? Uh, uh, uh. Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley. He is as he is as hated in the black community as Bill Cosby. Well, why are they hated? Because they believe in getting a job. They believe in wearing a belt. Let me tell y'all something. And I don't know if there's any young men here doing this. But let me, let me give you, let me give you uh, what that started and where that started. You know them, them, them baggy britches junk where your drawers are showing and everything else? That sloppy look where everything's falling down to your knees and all. You know where that started? It started in the prison. Prison. Well, I'm a thug. Let me tell you how it started. They're wearing them loose uh, britches and baggy pants to let them others know they are available. Thug. Yeah, you a thug, you bad. All you're saying is I'm a little Susie. Don't tell me, you tell Charles Barkley. They researched that and found it out. Bill Cosby said the same thing. He said, boy, put your belt on, get your britches up. I said, rock on, Bill. But what has happened? We see that on TV, and we see that basketball player looking like that. We see that boxer looking like that. We see that football player, and we idolize him. Our focus has left God. Our focus has left where it should have been. Listen, we idolize people that we see, and idolatry is what's called immodesty. Girls want to look like Christina Aguilera. They want to look like Britney Spears and all these other ungodly whoremongers on TV. Hello, I'm still preaching. We idolize things that we see, and that idolatry causes it. You see the stages now? Can you see where I'm going with this thing? You think I'm just getting upset, and you think, oh, well, you're just getting on that TV bandwagon or them movies bandwagon and all that stuff. No, I'm trying to trace back where we are and how we got there so you can see how critical this is. You let your kids have posters on your walls of ungodly-looking people, boys, girls, or anything else. Don't be surprised when they get stupid on you. I'd snatch it down in a minute. I'd burn it to the ground. Well, I just, I'm just, I'm just, that's their privacy. It's your house. You pay the bills. You pay the mortgage. You pay the insurance. And I know, I know, I know what Brother McCormick was saying. I know what he was saying that they need to be able to fill a home, but I'm guaranteeing you are the warden of that prison and you deal and you say it doesn't matter if it's ungodly, get it out your house. I hope they ain't laughing at me. I hope that that was a, we seeing where we are. Do you know there's open nudity, open nudity on video games? 
video games that they play for hours at a time. I had to deal with twin boys who had attention deficit disorder. They couldn't even function. They had them on all kind of medicine. But then I found out they sat there and played that video game all day. And it's total, always total response, total response and stimuli. And I said, you need to throw that thing in the garbage. Man. You just got an attitude. I sure do. I sure do. Because idolatry has contributed to immodesty. Immodesty has contributed to immorality. Immorality. It started with idolatry. It started with putting other things before God. Everything we see, we want to be that. We've put man ahead of God. We've put possessions ahead of God. We've put hobbies ahead of God. We've put careers ahead of God. We've put our own children as idols ahead of God. That's just a stage, y'all. Just like in the movie, we've got to go find the source. How did we become idolatrous? How do we get to the place of idolatry in our life? Some people think that you have to have a, a little statue of Buddha and, and burning candles around it to be an idolater. Oh, no. There's those who stayed out of church today so they could watch a stupid football game. I don't care what you say. That's idolatry. I was researching this. I probably shouldn't say this, but I probably won't ever get some of y'all back, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. <laughs> the golden calf. Y'all remember that? The golden calf. They said, make us gods. And I never knew this, Brother Jay, but I was thinking, and I don't know why I was thinking this, but for some reason I was thinking that all the law and all the restrictions and all the rules come after that. But God had done told them what he wanted them to be. And now Moses is on the, on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights, and, 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 and they're saying, hey, 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 we don't know where this man is. What, how disrespectful that was. With this man Moses, you know, this man Moses brought us out. How disrespectful. He was the one that stood in Pharaoh's face. He was the one that had courage and put his own life on the line and risked his own life to rescue them people. And now they just treat him like he's nobody. See where idolatry starts? A disrespect for God's man. I promise you this. I promise you this, don't make the fatal mistake of crucifying the preacher every time you go home and running him down and running his message down, running down what God said because when little Johnny gets old to the point that he needs to make his own decision, he's not going to do what the preacher says and you're going to come to the preacher and say, I don't know what happened. You disrespected the man of God in front of your children. This man, Moses, we don't know where he's at. I'll tell you what, wait. make us gods. The gods they made were man-made. And when you have a man-made God, Brother Jake, you can live any way you want to live. When your God is man-made, you're going to make it to your very comfort level. Well, I just don't believe like you. Well, I just don't believe the Bible like you. No, you've got your own man-made religion, your own man-made idolatry, so you can do any blessed thing you want to believe, and no matter what the preacher says, no matter if it says, God said this is idolatry, God says this is adultery, God says this is fornication, God says this is wicked before my eyes, you say, well, I, I'm okay with it. God calls it idolatry. And watch this. This is the deal. This is what got me. 
Aaron, some, some say, and I read this and I never, I never knew this either, but you know, he left Aaron and her in charge. Well, we never hear about her, H-U-R. Some historians say, some Jewish historians say that they stood against it and said, we're not going to do that, and they stoned her. That's why we don't hear about them. And Aaron said, okay, whatever y'all say. And some say that he was trying to, he was trying to turn them the other way uh, by saying, bring your gold, bring your valuable stuff, because he felt like well, maybe they won't do it then. And they had no hesitation whatsoever. They snatched the gold off and brought the gold to them. What does that say? They were willing to spend a whole lot of money for their idolatrous God. Brother Mickle, how about, how about $2.3 million for 30 seconds? The commercial spot on the Super Bowl. How about tickets selling for six and seven thousand dollars a piece? You tell me that ain't idolatry? We spend so much money on so much things, it's not even godly. There's nothing wrong with having things. There's nothing wrong with hobbies. But boy, when we've not paid our tithes, we've not supported missions, we've not helped the hungry, help me now. They'd had no problem snatching it off. And you know the thing about idolatry? They were so easily deceived. Because when, that, when, that, when they made that golden calf, this is what he said. This is the God that brought you out of Egypt. And they said, okay. They knew better. But see, when it comes to idolatry, we'll believe anything. But you know what? Idolatry is a stage. It's not the source. I was thinking that was a source. It was idolatry. Yeah, but what's caused idolatry in the church today? Didn't I tell you to stay with me? This is it, y'all. This is it. We've traced it back. We've traced the symptoms. We see the symptoms so prevalent. We've seen the stages, how it's progressed from one stage to the next. But what is the source? What is the source? Romans. Romans chapter number 1, verse number 21. Are y'all there? Say amen. This is the source of the outbreak. Because that when they knew God. See, over there in verse number 28, it says, and don't turn, I'm, I'm, I'm there, I'm there. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they didn't want to have anything to do with God, they want to kick God out of everything. Does that sound familiar? Kick him out the pledge, kick him out the schools, kick him out the courtroom. We don't want anything to do with God, even though they knew him in the back of their minds. Every atheist in America, every atheist in America knows there's a sovereign God. Amen. They say, we don't want to have anything to do with him. We don't want to retain him in our knowledge. Why do they not want to retain him in their knowledge? Because if there is a God, then there is a real law. And if there is a real God and a real law, I must obey and follow that law. Bible says, because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were. Now, what are we doing? We're tracing it. So in this source, it's going to be backwards, remember? We're going to have the secondary and then the primary. 
What is the secondary source? The secondary source, A, a forsaken appreciation. We just don't appreciate what God's done for us anymore. Where's the gratitude been for the blessings of God on our life? You know why we'll lay out of church like it's no big deal? Because we don't appreciate what God has done for us. You know why we'll stay home and watch TV instead of being in the house of God? You know why we won't give our tithes and our offerings and our love to God and do what we're supposed to do? Because we have failed to appreciate the blessings of God. We have failed to appreciate the price of sin on Calvary's cross. We have failed to appreciate the blood of Christ that ran down an old rugged cross on a hill called Calvary. We have failed to appreciate all the blessings that God has given us every single day. How God has brought us out of the, that miry clay and brought us out of that horrible pit and set our feet on a solid rock, establish our goals, put a new song in our mouth, and we fail to appreciate him for that. It don't start with idolatry. It starts with ingratitude of God's people. Failing to appreciate the blessings of God. Isn't that amazing? It's not just thrown in there. We're going to talk about the, the little, little sentence before that, but it says, and neither were thankful. One thing we better never do at Temple Baptist Church is fail to be thankful for the presence of God in this place. Amen. Say amen. amen. Y'all ready for the grand finale? We have found the monkey. You know, man, they'll trace it back to the fevers and the touching and where they transmit it from this one and this one. And they found out it's a monkey that come across on a boat. Well, I found the monkey. What started all this? What started all this? Most of the times all we see is that, that last stage of immorality and those, all those symptoms, that's all we think about. Where did it start? In God's people. Y'all with me? There was a failed, forsaken appreciation, but here's the, here's the deal. This is where it all starts. Brother O'Neill or Brother Barry one, uh, 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 go to that that microphone and read that verse for me. Verse 21. Put it up on the screen, brother. Watch this here. Because. Watch this. Because that when they knew God. Stop right there. They knew him. They were aware of him. They recognized his person, his presence, who he was, what he was, how he got here. Oh, I know there's a God. I believe there's a supreme being. We've got kids in this church that knows there's a God. They know he's real. They know he's split the Red Sea. They know all that. They know about the plagues in Egypt. They know he's real, but here's a problem because this same problem is in our adults. All our children are doing is what they see in our adults. Watch what this says. Because when they knew him, help me. They glorified him not as God. Magnified, honored, Placed in a position. When they knew God, Theos, they knew he was a supreme divinity. They did not glorify him as God, Theos, magistrate. What is a magistrate? What, you got a definition, Brother Barnes? What's a magistrate? Watch this here. A magistrate, an official entrusted with administration of the laws. Watch this. 
a principal official exercising governmental powers, when they knew God, when they knew the supreme divine being, when they knew the God of all creation, they did not place him as God over their lives. We know God is God, but are we placing him as God in our life? What is the main problem, preacher? What is the source? It was not only, listen, it was not only the problem with ingratitude and unthankfulness. We find there is a failed, a failed authorization. We have failed to give God authority in our lives. Sure he's God. Sure, he's a creator of heaven and the earth. Sure, he spoke the world into existence, but have, have you made him God in your life? Man, I hope you're seeing this. Preacher, how do you know that's the main problem? Because keeping kids out of the back seat of a car, if those children, if those young people, if they have made God the authority in their life. They're not going to be in that car. Brother Mickle, if he is the sole authority in their life, if he is the one that is controlling their life, if he is the one that is in control and has the ruling magistrate in their life, they're not going to be committing fornication. They're not going to be committing adultery. They're not going to be living immodestly. They're not going to take all their clothes off and reveal their nakedness. They're not going to be immodest, so they're not going to be immoral. I need a witness from somebody. See, the problem is not the dress code. The problem is not the laws and regulations against shacking up. The law, that's not the problem. The problem is with people who have not given God authority in their life and saying, God, I want you to rule over my life. Sure, I want to go to heaven. Sure, I want to be saved, but I don't want you telling me what to do. I ain't talking about lost people. You know, we, we sing that song, I surrender all, and we lie through our teeth. We'll surrender what we don't need. I think we need to do. I kind of feel like the, kind of feel like the old boy that has to stand up in front of the, the press at the White House. I got bad news, y'all. We got bad news. Preacher, is this, the, is, this, is this epidemic fatal? It has for a lot of people. It has for a lot of churches. I guarantee you this. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Preacher, how are we going to keep this epidemic out of our church? How are we going to keep this immorality out of our church? How are we going to keep this immodesty out of our church? Well, number one, we're going to start dealing with sin. Remember those unsanitary conditions? We're not going to give sin an atmosphere to, 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 uh, 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 to, to germinate. We're not going to give sin an atmosphere where it can just keep growing and growing because a little leaven is leaven is a whole lump. Leaders, you best pay attention to what I'm saying right here because you're fixing to hear it again. You've got to cut the cancer out. I don't like none of that. Well, I didn't like having to say it. I'd have gladly sat down and listened to them say it. 
But the only problem is, it's not their responsibility. It's mine. What do we need to do, preacher? First thing we need is bow our head and close our eyes. Bow our head and close our eyes. It's amazing to me how we'll jump on a bandwagon and crucify our children. Condemn our children for this or that behavior, that sin, and they got it from us. Have you made God, God in your life? Is he the supreme authority in your life? Does he rule and reign in your life? Every head bowed and every eye closed as the piano's playing softly. I can't force nothing on nobody. I can't force nothing on nobody. But here's the invitation. You say, preacher, I've seen areas in my life where I've not allowed him to be Lord. I see areas in my life where I have not allowed him to have rule and reign in my life. Hey, before it's too late, before it spreads too fast, before the bubonic plague was finished in Europe, it killed 25 million people. In two years, it killed 30% of the population of Europe. Church, let's nip it in the bud this morning. I wonder how many of y'all will help your preacher and find a place in this altar and pray. As every head's about, just come on. Y'all know it's true. Y'all know every word I said today is true. Don't be angry. Don't be angry. Just understand God's got a word for us to hear. Find a place in this altar and say, oh God, we know it started. It started with our own personal individual lives. Allowing the Lord to be Lord. Allowing God to have authority in my life. Allowing God to have the say-so. Allowing the Word of God to dictate my life and how I live. Every head bowed and every eye closed, please be as respectful in this time as you can. Oh, how God wants to touch us and help us. It's probably one of the most serious messages I've ever preached in my life. Please be respectful what God's trying to do. Dear Heavenly Father, I've done the best I know how. God, i got to be honest with you. I just don't like these kind. Lord, this is, I, I hate these kind. I feel like I'm whipping my children. God, I feel like that saying is harder on me than it is on you. God, but I know it's necessary. I know that's what you gave me. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll use it. God, all those symptoms that we think are the problems. God, it's coming from an unsurrendered life to you. Sure, there's people to save, but they're not surrendered solely out to you. They're saved people that start putting other things in between them and you. They're saved folks that know you Yet there's idolatry in their life by putting other things priority before you. God, we can always trace it all the way back to that one part. They glorified him not as God. They did not put him in a position of magistrate, ruler over their life. God, bless us now. Bless us, Lord, as we sing a verse of invitation. God, I pray that your will be done. 
Lord, have your way in this service. If there's someone that's lost and never been saved, God, let him come today. God, if there's somebody that just needs to get right, maybe they need to rededicate their life to you and say, God, I'm tired of living my own life. I'm tired of straying away. I'm tired of being that sheep that's gone astray. God, help me. I dedicate my life to you. Lord, I pray that your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. We're going to sing a verse of Just As I Am.